0: Be turning to the book of Philemon. It's right before Hebrews. It's a small, I don't know if you'd really call it a book or a letter, or I've heard it even called a postcard. Hmm. It's a very, very, it's a very small book. So Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the privilege of being able to come before a holy God and a holy throne here this evening. Thank you again for allowing us to even open up your word and to look into it and see how it can speak to our hearts. And I pray you would open up our hearts that we might, each one of us might take this and be able to use it in our daily walk. Thank you for what you're doing here in our midst. I just uh, pray for the church. I pray for this local body. Thank you for everything that you're doing in our hearts and our lives. We just uh, give you all the praise. In Jesus' name of Christ. The book of Philemon, it's a, a picture of the cross. It's a, it's a picture of what God has done. Three main focuses in Philemon is love, forgiveness, and reconciliation. <clears throat> God loves us, each one of us. He forgives us, and he wants to reconcile us back to himself. So so the setting here in this book is Paul is in prison in Rome, and Paul has established many churches, and the year here is around 61 A.D., And this imprisonment was his first imprisonment. It was not like a regular Roman imprisonment. He was under what is called house arrest. Uh, That's in Acts 28 verses 30 and 31. It says, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God. And teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. The church at Philippi funded most of this, this rented house. Um, and that is in Philippians 4 14 to 19. But, uh, but from this prison cell, from this prison house, Paul wrote four epistles. They're called the prison epistles. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and this little letter we're going to look at here tonight, which is Philemon. This, as you well know, is a personal note to a man, a slave owner, a Christian slave owner. Philemon, Possibly the the book of Colossians and this letter were sent together. When we get that from Colossians 4, verses 7 uh, 7 through 9, uh, let me read 4, 1 through 9. It says, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us always that God may open the door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. I am the most of every, and use the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will, will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant and the Lord. I am sending here to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that you may be encouraged in your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, and this is, this is where it ties in the book of Philippians. He is coming with omniscience, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you, They will tell you everything that has happened here. Like I said, this is a very personal letter of Paul. Paul knows how important this letter is. It could be the letter between life and death of what is now a believer. Paul is willing to put some personal pressure, which is unlike Paul. Paul is willing to put personal pressure to have a favorable outcome but not to the point of using his God-given authority. We're going to see that in just a second. It's not a letter with a hidden agenda of denouncing slavery. Onesimus, as you know, I'm sure all of you have read the book or the letter or postcard, was a, was a slave. Onesimus was a runaway slave. But it wasn't about announcing slavery even though it's between a slave and a slave owner. Uh, And by the way, back during this time at the height of the Roman Empire, there was about 60 million slaves, 60 million. That was probably about a third of the population and these slaves would have been doctors, musicians, teachers, artists, librarians, accountants. There may have been even some that were preachers or elders in churches. Very interesting because, and I appreciate what Pete's been talking about slavery and how how it's so much different uh, today than it was back then or thought of differently. Uh, so most of these positions would have been filled by slaves and most of them were likely filled slave was so much a part of the culture that even Christians didn't see it as being wrong but also because there were so many the ones that owned slaves the ones that would go astray the slaves that would go astray were likely to be punished severely. Uh, Can you imagine that if all the slaves revolted at one time, they could probably overtake their masters and their owners. So it's almost like back in uh, Egypt during during the time of Moses, where they put a lot of pressure on on the Israelites. You remember that? They put so much pressure on them because they did, they knew that they were growing in numbers. They wanted to keep them under control, so they would put put pressure on them. Um, Scripture actually talks about the relationship between the slave and the master, and how each one is to respond to the other. By law, slaves were property. It would have been nothing for this slave, Onesimus, to have been killed by his master, Fulina, It would have been nothing. I mean, there would have been no second thought about it. Or, if he was a valuable slave, like one of these doctors, lawyers, teachers, something like that, the least they would do would brand their forehead with an F, which stands for fugitive. So the rest of your life, you go around with this big F on your forehead, which stands for fugitive. Um, What's that? Yeah, the loser. But this was a little worse. That's worse. Uh, Before we really get started in the book and start looking at it, there are some practical things that I want us to look at or look for as we go through this letter. One, is what a difference being a Christian must make in your decision making. Because it changes. It, being a Christian or being a believer, I guess that, that would be a better word. Being a believer and a non-believer, you're going to act two different ways. You're not going to act like the unbelieving world. There's going to be a difference in the way you act. We're going to see that all these points are clear. Two... Is allowing the spirit to work in a person, even though it would be easier to command it. You know, have you ever have you ever just wanted, especially to your kids, you ever just wanted to grab them by the neck and say, "Look, this is what you need to do." You know, I know we all have. Doesn't matter what age they are. Brian, I might have to do like that for Matt. But you know, but but. But here, we're going to see in this, in this how Paul is going to allow the spirit and the love and the pressure that's going to be put on him make to the, make the right decision. Three is asking a friend or a brother to do the right thing even with consequences or unknown results. And this is this is a relationship between Paul and Philemon. He's going to ask him to do something, and you already know what that is. He's going to ask him to forgive this slave who is wronged him, right? But there could be consequences with that. What could be the consequences of doing that? People would think, well, the slave owner. Is just soft. He shouldn't be doing that. He's not setting a precedence. But Paul's wanting him to set a precedence because of love. Right. And fourthly, he's using wisdom to determine how much pressure to apply as a Christian to get a Christ-like response. How much pressure, how much pressure do you apply? to somebody, even if even if you have the authority to do that, how much pressure do you apply to get a response? We're going we're to see that. All these things are very evident uh, through this. In verse 1, <coughs> we're going to start with our text. Verse 1, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. So first we notice that Paul is writing this letter. It's a personal letter to Philemon. Uh, Notice that Paul claims his prisonership, not of Rome, but of Jesus Christ. He was a prisoner of Rome, but that's not what he's claiming that prisonership of. Paul acknowledges his place in prison as God's choice. Philippians 1 12 to 14, it says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So first of all, Paul's writing, second of all, he he realizes and he wants to make it clear that he is a prisoner of God, of Christ, not of Rome, because oh, that's exactly where Christ. And you could actually go back to Acts, I think it's Acts chapter number nine, when he was saved, that uh, it was Ananias that was the high priest there. The Lord told him that Paul will be before, it was, it uh, he'd go before the king. And he'll would, he would witness the three groups. And the king would, would be the last one. Uh, anyhow. Thirdly, notice Paul does not come with his authority that he could as his apostleship. He is not going to push his authority around as he could. He comes as a friend. Actually, he comes as a mediator. That's, that's interesting that Paul comes as a mediator. That's where I, that's where I get the picture of Christ in this. Uh, Paul always, in his in his letters, all except for three, he uh, he mentioned his his apostles, Romans 1, 1 and apostle, 1 Corinthians 1, 1 and apostle, 2 Corinthians 1, 1 and apostle. Galatians 1 1, he comes as an apostle. 1 Timothy 1 1, as apostle. Ephesians 1 1, apostle. 2 Timothy 1 1, Colossians 1 1, Titus 1 1. Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon are the only three that he does not state that he is an apostle. And the reason I see there is because he has Timothy with him. Timothy is, is with him in all three of those with all three of those letters. Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And Paul is writing by himself on these others, but He always puts, puts out authority and Paul carried authority with his apostleship. Okay? And here, again, Paul wants to let Philemon know that Timothy agrees with Paul because he mentions it here in verse 1 again. And Timothy, our brother. Uh, This also says a lot about Timothy standing in the church. Also, Paul thinks very highly of Philemon to be writing him in this way, a personal letter. This is only one of three personal letters that is recorded that we know of that Paul wrote, wrote. In verse 2, it says, To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Alpha, our sister, and Archibus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Even though this is a personal letter and the final decision and outcome will be determined by Philemon, Paul wants it to be known to his family and to the church family. This is the first place that we see Paul putting pressure on Philippe. If, even though it's a personal letter, Paul addresses it to these, to, and, and uh, Paul wants to be known by to all the family, the brethren, as to sway his decision to push the matter of forgiveness. Uh, and and uh, Alpha is thought to be his his wife, and Archipus is thought to be his son, who was also a fellow teacher in the church, and I think he's mentioned back in Colossians as well. Uh, so so the whole letter is going to be written to these. It's written to Philemon, but all these are going to be hearing about this letter. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is very common in Paul's letters too when he opens opens it up. And grace and peace are, are the gospel message in a nutshell. The gospel message in a nutshell. Grace is God's giving us salvation. Ephesians two eight. Pete mentioned that this morning. For by grace you have been saved, and peace is a result of that salvation or that grace. Peace is a result of that. When grace is realized, peace is materialized. I read that. I thought that was a good, a good saying. Verses 4 through 7 talks about uh, Philemon. And Paul Paul really lifts Philemon up here. He shows his appreciation for Philemon, for another Christian brother. And I think this this makes it very clear that Philemon is a Christian brother. He says, in verse 4, he says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Paul tells Fleming that he's been praying for him personally. It's you. It's not just the group grouping the church together. What should this say about our prayer life? Our church is so small, we should be praying for each individual daily. Everyone in the church. And notice also what it says, he says, praying for him, not praying about him. There's a difference in praying for somebody and praying about somebody. When you pray about somebody, you're praying, uh, you're praying that, well, God, would you change his attitude? He has a problem. Or you pray about somebody like that, but if you pray for somebody, it's it's like uh Lord. Thank you for saving him. You know, thank. You. I'm gonna use Dave again. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave, you're good. one. you're sitting over I'm gonna use you for a good example. Yeah, Lord, thank you for for saving Dave, putting him in our midst. Thank you that Dave is a good friend. You know, thank you for what you're teaching me through Dave. You know that that is praying for somebody. Thanking the Lord for them in your life. You know, there's there's a difference in praying about somebody and praying for somebody. And Paul says here that he is remembering him, praying for him personally in his life. Verse number uh, five, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. Because Philemon's testimony has gone out to others, Philemon here is not tooting his own horn. Paul didn't. Paul didn't say, "Well, Philemon, I've you told me how you how good you were doing." No, the church has been relating how how well Philemon is in the church. His testimony in the church. So Philemon is not tooting his own horn here, but others are doing it for him. It talks about love. Love always has actions. Two things that make up a true believer's life. One is faith. That complete and confidence in the Lord. The second is a love for the saints. And we're all saints, not just St. Peter or St. Mary, you know, some would say. But if you're a believer, you are a saint. You're called a saint. John, uh, 1 John four twenty. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. John thirteen, thirty four and thirty five. A new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love and faith are key in in the faith, in in being a believer. Those are two keys. Verse number six. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become evident for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. You know, this this verse here sounds like that the sharing of your faith, it sounds like that they're going out into the world and preaching the gospel, but I think it's, I think it's, it's, they are doing that, I'm sure, but I think it's more than that, sharing of the faith, and he's talking to, to believers, he's talking to the church here, the sharing of that faith, I think, is the fellowshipping within the church, and we grow, we grow from that fellowshipping, is, uh, is what we do. Paul is, is praying that while being active in the church, that fellowship, as you share your love, that your understanding of what Christ has done for us will continue to grow. That we may demonstrate genuine love. I think, uh, I think here again, Paul is expressing that love that Christ had, that love of giving Himself, we're to do that in the church as well. Christ had patience, and and Paul is calling for that in Philemon's life. Fellowshipping together is vital to to the church. These these four things that are mentioned that are vital in the church. That's Acts two forty two. Teaching of the word, fellowshipping, breaking of bread, and communion, and prayer. If you leave any, any one of them out, you're almost like a lame duck. It's like, it's like you've only got one leg. No time, Pastor Peter. <laughs> so, so it's almost like you you, you know you're you're a lame duck you've got to have all of those you've got to have the teaching of the word you've got to have the fellowshipping the breaking of bread and prayer and I'm not sure that there's any specific order to that but you need to have all of them and fellowshipping I think is, is part of what he's talking here about in verse 6 in verse 7 for I have derive much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. It is always a great joy to see personal growth in one's life. This can be shown by many ways. Some of them are faithfulness to the church. You're, you're an encouragement. You're an encouragement to me to be here tonight. You're encouraging by just your presence. Love for the church family and lost people. Giving of your time and your resources in the ministry, in the home, and as well as visiting neighbors. You know, uh, we all have neighbors around us. Fourthly, fellowshipping in and out of church. You know, don't just do, do it here. Invite somebody over for, for lunch or, or go over to visit or something like that. You know, just, that's part of the, that's part of the fellowship. Seeing involvement in the church. Having a forgiving spirit. Why? This is an attribute of Jesus. All these are attributes of Jesus. Now Paul is about to get to the point. And his point is, now, Philemon, it's time for you to extend that love, that forgiveness that God gave you to someone else. It's all, it's all about the heart, the heart motive. It's all about the heart motive. Verses 8 through 18, the action of one who forgives. In verse 8, according, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Paul, in his apostleship, had the authority to tell Philemon what he needed to do. He, you know, actually, and I—I and I don't know if we'll get—I don't know if we're going to—I don't know if I wrote those verses down. But back in Exodus, there was a one of the one of the rules for a runaway slave was actually if he was run away, don't send him back to his master. That was a that was a thing in the Old Testament. I may I may have that written written down here somewhere later on. I think I do. But that was that's interesting. But here Paul is asking, he says, I'm asking boldly in Christ, and he's not doing it with the command. Why? Because it, it deals with the heart. Paul is wanting to deal with the heart of Philemon. Not just not just, you know, I can I can make you do it, I can I can make you set this guy free. I can make you leave him here, you know, because later on he's going to tell how useful that he was, believing was to him. He says I'm appealing on the basis of love. Um, okay. I might, I might have that. But that's, yeah, that's where it talks about that. Thank you, Dave. Um, okay, and Another thing is, when they're taking this letter, who's delivering this letter? Tacitus and Onesimus. Can you imagine? Could you just imagine for a moment when he comes in to Philemon? I could imagine how Philemon would be fuming. Apparently, he had stolen or done something, and he had run off to Rome. Why did he do that? Because that was a very populated area. It was far away from where uh, Colossae, from the church that they were in. And there was a lot, as as I understand it, there was a lot of runaway slaves in Rome. So it was an easy place to lose yourself. It was an easy place to lose yourself. Verse 9. Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner, also for Christ Jesus. Everything hinges on, on Christian love, especially for a brother or sister. See, Onesimus' name has not even been brought up yet. That love Paul is referring to is about the love that God has for them but also the love that Paul and Philemon share because we're going to see toward the end of the story that Onesimus is actually a child a child of Paul in the faith And Philemon was a a child of Paul in the faith. So both of them were saved under his ministry. It's based in Paul's, and Paul's going to, he's going to spell that out, out for us. Uh, Paul knows Philemon has great love for him because of who he is, a brother in Christ Jesus. Also, the one who led him to Christ Jesus—he's like a father and like a son—and and Paul uses this appeal, letting someone make their own mind I appeal you. The Paul mentions his an old man. Paul is about probably about sixty at this time. But more than that, Paul is including the toll. That his life had 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 on him. From his persecutions, his illnesses, his difficult travels, his imprisonments. And his constant concern for the churches had taken on his health. He was not only feeling old. I'm sure he was even looking old. Have you ever seen somebody that has had a hard life? And you can tell by looking at them. That they've had a hard life, especially, especially if they've been on meth or drugs. I had a sister that was like that, and and she looked like she was probably seventy years old, and she was she died in her late thirties because of drugs, but but she she her skin was all wrinkled up, you know. She just she just had, and and I'm sure Paul's life been so bad remember the cat of nine tails that all, not only is he speaking about his age here but all the things that has went in into the ministry and verse 10 he says i feel to you for my child onesimus now we know paul didn't have an illegitimate child so of course he's talking about him you know and that and that's true, you know. Uh, I used to hunt Biltmore, and the first week of hunting would be reserved for family—fathers, daughters, sons—the first week. And Warner always slipped me in. And I thought, I thought, I said, Warner, I'm not, I'm not your child. You're a child of the faith, you know. He led me to Christ. That's the way. Now, eventually, after three or four years, somebody had made mention, "Hey, that's not his son," you know, and, and so Lance came and said, you can't come and hunt till the second, second, third week." But you know, Warner looked at me as a child because of that, and so Onesimus was just as much a child as really a it'd be it'd be just like an adopted child, very much a part of your family as your regular blood children are. So he says, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became while in my imprisonment. Uh, Paul's coming on behalf of Onesimus, because Onesimus cannot come on on his own behalf. Imagine the response that he would have gotten if he had just went back. Because remember, the, they, they didn't consider them human kind of kind of spirit. They were proper. They were proper. Uh, this is a clear picture of what Jesus done for us. He interceded on our behalf. Jesus came to save us from God. Isn't that an interesting statement? Jesus came to save us from God. Hebrews 12.29 For our God is a consuming fire. If it wasn't for Jesus we would be condemned. We'd be condemned. Now Paul tells him why. He is my son in the faith. So therefore he is your brother. And I look at that analogy Paul keeps driving home here between the relationship between the brothers and the Father. Verse number 11. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Paul uses a play on words here. The name Onesimus means useful in Greek. So what is Paul saying? Before now, He was useless. He was unworthy. He was a runaway slave. He had his own desires, his own agenda, that sinful nature. He was useless. But now, since he is coming back on his own, he has a new nature. He has a new desire, and he will be useful. Onesimus is going back, shows his heart changed. You know, Onesimus could, could have told Paul, said, no, I'm not going back. I know my life is in danger. Why did, Why? Did, why do you think Paul pushed the issue of Onesimus going back? One, one reason, I think, was reconciliation between two brothers. Another one is that if he didn't go back, even though he was a Christian, he would have still been hunted the rest of his life no, so because a he was heart,
1: too, he? had what? A changed heart.
0: Yeah, he did. Yeah. That's why. That's why he went back, and that's why Paul pushes pushes the idea of him going back. Uh, he he did. He has a changed heart. Uh, and you know, as I as i read this letter, I even wondered if Onesimus read this letter before he took it. You know, even even today, if you're going to, uh, like, I know Pastor Peter, and I think you've written letters of recommendations for math and and things like that for schools and stuff. And you have to see all those letters. And the person that you're writing that letter back can't see that. I know for school transcripts, like uh, Sage had to get a driver's license. And so we wanted to see what her school transcript was. So we opened it up, took it in, they said, right, it's not sealed. You gotta bring us another. See? So I wonder so if with. Yeah. I wonder if Onesimus was even able to look at this letter. Paul had just told him, and you had that trust, you had that confidence in Paul to take this back. And this was our state before God saved us. We were unworthy for his kingdom. Now he has put us in a different state. He has a plan for our lives. Jesus alone makes us worthy. Onesimus' salvation changed his relationship with Philemon. That relationship had been changed. Yes, under Roman law, Paul needed to send him back. But God's law did not require it. Euteronomy 23, 15, and 16. If a slave has taken refuge with you, do not hand him over to his master. Let him live among you wherever he likes and in whatever town he chooses. Do not oppress him. That was interesting. Um, Interesting that Paul, I'm sure, knew that scripture. And again, he could have kept Philemon by God's law. And I'm sure that's what Paul went by. But for the sake of love, for the sake of forgiveness, for the sake of re- reconciliation, and for the sake of us here, reading this letter. What is that scripture? Deuteronomy 23. Verses 15 and 16. Verse 15 and 16. Paul had every legal right to keep Onesimus, but instead Paul wanted to see the two restored. To free his son, Onesimus, where he would not be a fugitive for the rest of his life, to see Onesimus' faith grow, because he's he's a new Christian now, And what an opportunity, and to give Philemon a chance to grow in love, forgiveness, and reconciliation, to give Philemon a chance to grow as well. 13, I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me. On your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. Paul tells of how useful he has been to him in prison. Onesimus was probably like an errand boy while Paul was in prison after he was saved. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but Of your own accord. Paul was not going to do anything without Philemon's voluntary agreement. He sent him back only maybe to have him returned. Paul didn't want anything shady under the table. Paul was looking again at a heart change, not just, not just something on the outside. You know, we can. And we push reading the scripture. And you're, you're supposed to read the scripture. But more than that, you're supposed to let the spirit work in you. I know a young man who came here one time who quoted, I think it was a, a chapter in the book of Mark. You remember that? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mention their name. But we, all know, we all know who that was. But that fellow was, was not a believer. It's just not enough to read The word of God, but you need to apply that to your life. Even if you even if you read three or four verses instead of reading a whole chapter and apply what you what you learn, that is more beneficial than knowing the whole chapter. Apply Um, verse fifteen. I think that's where we're at. For well, this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever. Oftentimes bad things happen in a believer's life to prevent to produce eventual good. Romans 8:28. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God allowed this to happen for for the good of both. One, that he might be saved, to be an example in the church, and to learn unconditional love, forgiveness, and reconciliation. It's easy to love someone who loves you, but sometimes it's hard to love those that don't love us. You know, Matthew 5, 43 to 48 talks about that. Verse 16. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul is not ordering Onesimus' freedom. First, first Corinthians 7 20 and 22. Each one should remain in the situation which he was in when God called him. Were you a slave when you were called? It troubles you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For he who was a slave when he was called by the Lord is the Lord's freedom. He who is free man when he was called is Christ's slave. You were both bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. So he wasn't pushing the freedom thing. But that would, uh, but that he would receive him back as a fellow believer. What uh, was that 1 Corinthians 7, 20-23. Christianity never sought to abolish slavery, but it made the relationship between the slave and the slave owner kind and decent it gave borders. Uh, Though Christian owners, the world could see how to treat others. Verse 17. So if you consider me your partner... This is Paul. If you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. Since Paul and Philemon are on the same team or the same side, you need to welcome him or extend that same treatment to Onesimus that you would to me. You know, think about that. How would you, Paul is saying, how would you treat me? When he comes back. Verse 18. Verse 18. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. There again, salvation, the the gospel is very, very present there. Pete brought that up this morning. The Lord took and paid for our freedom. And Paul is using that here. Paul is saying, if anything, under Roman law, uh, Fleming had the legal right to kill or to brand on his forehead and F, But Paul says, accept him as you would me. Put it on my account, Paul says. "Fleming could have, have been bitter over money that had been stolen or anything. So Paul says, put that aside. No, he just didn't say put that aside. He says, if payment back will allow forgiveness, I will take care of that. Paul says, put it on my account. But look what Paul says here in verse 19. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. That's where that's where Philemon comes in. Paul says, say. Hey, You owe me your very life. You were saved under my ministry. I led you to Christ. You know, Paul, I can't, I can't remember anywhere else where Paul has put pressure on somebody like this. Why? Because he knows a life is at stake. That's why he puts pressure, because he knows a life is at stake. Um, Paul emphasizes that he is the one promising. I will make it good, not to mention you owe me your very life. I've not even seen where Paul has ever held it over an individual's head where he says, you owe me your very life. You are on your way to hell. So why here? Paul realizes the pressure that is on Philemon people looking at what Philemon will do. Possibly, Paul is giving Philemon an escape route where they could say, okay, Paul has asked, the Apostle Paul has asked this, see, yeah, you, you need to do this. Paul realizes Philemon is just human. But this decision could cost one's life. What would you do to save a dying friend? What would you do to save a dying friend? You would do just about anything. A lot of us would even give our lives to save people. I know I put my life, well, probably not knowing it, in, in jeopardy because of, because of someone else. You know, what would you do to save a life? And that's what, that's what Paul is here. Paul realizes a life is at stake. Thirdly, Paul realizes this will send a clear message to the church about love, forgiveness, and reconciliation. It's done for us. This will show acceptance of any class into the body of Christ, slave or free man. So Paul uses everything at his disposal to persuade Philemon. The witness of Tychipus with the letter and Onesimus. His wife, Alphea. Archippus. The church. Timothy's a witness. Paul's personal writings. And here, verse, uh, verse 22, we have a promise of a personal visit. Let's read 20. It said, Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. What does that mean? That means Paul wants to be encouraged that yes, Philemon, you have been growing in the Lord. Encourage me in this way. Show me that you're going to extend that love, that forgiveness just as Christ does. And 21, confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. You know, we've talked about this. Paul is actually testing Philemon. Do you remember what the difference in testing and uh, what was the other word? Testing and tempting. The des- testing and tempting Testing is what to prove it's it's genuine. Well, yeah, testing simple. testing is what God does with us, with a hopeful outcome, yeah. with a trust that we're going to do the right thing. Right. The tempting that that Satan put on Jesus when he went into the wilderness was hoping for a favor. So Paul was testing Philemon, hoping and trusting for that outcome, for the good outcome. Uh, Paul knows God's will will happen, and God uses us in that capacity or plan. He knew that God was using him, and what a privilege. Paul's asking, asking him, welcome him back, not grudgingly, but as a brother, to work with Onesimus physically and spiritually and to help him grow. Paul's asking Philemon to work with him. Not only accept him back, don't only just not uh, punishing, but accept him back as a brother and work with him physically and spiritually. And 22. At the, at the same time, prepare a guest room for me. For I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. That one more little persuasive thing there. He says, "I want you. I want you to know, Philemon, I'm coming to visit. Oh, I'm coming to visit. You know, and I, and I trust you made the right outcome. You know. Well, unfortunately, I don't think uh, Paul ever visited that church at Colossae. He never got there, from what." Uh, From what I've read, he never got to that church. And finally, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so does Mark, Archippus, Demas, my artistus, Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be in your spirit. I want to disclose by this. I thought it was very, very good. It says, well, what happened when Onesimus delivered this letter to Philemon? It doesn't tell us the outcome. Did Philemon open his arms in greetings? Did he grant Onesimus his freedom? Or did he have him put to death or branded as he was legally entitled to do? I'd like to say that the story resulted in a happy ever-after ending. But the fact is, we're not told what Fleming's reaction was. We don't know how he responded, and we'll never know this side of eternal. Why aren't we told? I believe that this is like the thousands of confrontations that happens between Christians every day situations in which one christian appeals to another to do the right thing situations in which one christian is guilty and the other one is angry what is the outcome the outcome is up to us individually we can be led by the spirit or maintain our rights in the flesh may our decision be based on the final words of paul the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. You have received grace from Jesus Christ. You got the blessing and salvation and love that you did not deserve. Now, or in the near future, you will have an opportunity to do the same for someone else who doesn't deserve it. What will you do? That's the question. Just a little bit.
2: See how Paul gave, gave him an outlet there.
0: It is. That's, it, yeah.
2: If he's done wrong, put it on my account.
0: Yeah. Put Blame all the me pressure off the church, off the community,
2: off the man, believe him himself, off his family, all the pressure. Just put it on Paul's account.
0: He was very good at writing. Wasn't it? All, all the riders were very, very good. I mean, I, I botched it up. We've got a lot of good good preachers today that have very good ways of expressing themselves and their message and things. I'm, I'm envious of those.
2: But the Spirit tells us today, in the, in the body of Christ, to put something that somebody done to you not That's right. And then move
0: on. That's right. That's right. Because he forgave, you can forgive. Trust it is It is. it's hard it's hard because we all want we all want to be vindicated we all want to look good uh yeah yeah we all want to look good to ourselves to other people around us i thought i thought that was very very insightful in the way that paul wrote that and how he was willing to take the blame i mean it, it's a picture of the gospel all the way through it now Jesus is willing to take the blame for what we have done before God the Father. He's willing, and he is—he's desiring to do that. It's a picture—picture picture of the gospel. I mean, I've never seen it like that till I studied it. I'm, and if y'all remember, I presented this about four years ago in Sunday school. I Think Pete was he was gone. Him and his family. Four years ago, and I've and I went through it again and I just I learned so much so much more. Yeah.
3: Well, um, I think sometimes when I look at this I have to remind myself that and I didn't realize this before but Onesimus apparently was not a believer.
0: He wasn't before.
3: When he, when he ran away
1: right.
3: Um, right. he was not a believer and so you know um, yes he had had a heart change so um, when we deal with people we have to remember where they are um, some people we may think that they're a believer but they're not a believer and then some people may be a believer and um, uh, you know and we just we need to be careful and we Need to be thoughtful, and you're right. We need to show love. Slow to time.
0: slow to speak, slow to anger. That's that's something and I've got patience. to work on all the time. Yeah. And yeah.
3: patience, because yeah. our pride. A lot of times. Oh, yeah. A lot of times it's the pride. That it is with me. Yeah. A lot of times it's the pride that's just like I can't believe you did that to me. Yeah. Okay. Like how dare you do that to me? And I think Philemon would probably have initially felt the same way, you know, even if he's a, a believer, even if he's a believer, we still, we still, I mean, I fight with that. I fight yeah. with pride. Nobody wants to be taken advantage of, so a very good lesson.
1: Yeah, that's what I have to And sometimes we think people should be at a certain
3: point in their lives, and they not. I mean, you know, people, do they you know that? I mean, don't you think they should know that? And I do I think you should know, so, gosh, she you know, he's 40 years old. Does he not know better than that? Thank you, sweetie. Um, she's talking you know, about, about me. I think 40, 40, 40. not 60. No, but i <laughs> Anyway, so, hard. you know, you just, um, you, know, when, you know, you think, you no <laughs> know, that right now, but I mean, sometimes, and young people, too, I mean, they all kind of have to like that, so. yeah. We have to be patient.
1: It's hard to be patient people should at a certain point in their lives. I think, on the same yeah, that's right. Larry um I remember Bruce Walker did that study one weekend oh. in his master's mission. Remember that I was there? and you know, I um, the um and what stuck out to me then and and you brought it back to my memory was he emphasized oh. put yourself in a miscimus choose. Wasn't a believer. He did wrong. He wronged his master. Okay, and then he's with Paul. Paul with the Lord. Now he's got a new heart. I think, and Bruce was saying something this back too, I think he was so embarrassed for what he had done to his master that he was terrified of going to him and asking him forgiveness. Because that really, honestly, that's what the man needed to do. He needed to not not necessarily well, yes, but both both situations that he was asking forgiveness from a slave to a master, but mainly asking his forgiveness from a brother to a brother, mm-hmm. and so I think that was some of the, the breaks he was putting on, you know, and then you look at um, Aileman thinking you've wronged me, you've wronged me, okay, and we are wrong. we are like that, and but. I, Really, I didn't really look at it as much, but it, it mentions Onesimus, but it don't mention him a lot. And again, we don't know the outcome. We don't know. We're hoping that it was a, a warm embracing time. We'll, again, like you said, we will we will try find this out on the other side of the grave. But I I just was worth thinking, you know, he didn't really care from where he, where he started from. Once he'd become a believer in loving Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit broke his heart. And I think he was like, how do I go to him? How do I go to him? I have wronged him. He, and apparently, he was good to him. But I don't know, maybe greed, whatever, whatever, he stole him, you know, don't say the exact thing. But I think a lot of that might have been that he was embarrassed of his actions. But in true reality, a believer or a brother to a brother or a brother to a sister, whatever the situation may be. That's what it needs to be, right? Yeah.
0: Reconciliation. That's I know that you mentioned that, love, 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 forgiveness, and reconciliation. I mean, you can forgive somebody without reconciling to them. Uh, I you know.
2: I think this touches on we didn't have time to develop this morning. You we know, had this whole thing of slavery. Mm-hmm. Lots of abuses in history, but but it's interesting here that Paul doesn't doesn't um, hold on to this and, this and say. Well, yeah, this whole this whole institution is just illegal and wrong anyway. You know, none of that. There is a debt here. There's a legitimate debt. Paul doesn't try to sweep that under the rug like we we're saying this morning. God doesn't do that with us either. There's a legitimate debt. You can't just say, well, let's just pretend it didn't happen. It did happen, and this mistole from him, and that stole not just probably provisions for the road, so to speak, but but really stole the rest of the debt that Onesimus owes anyway. Mm -hmm. Onesimus is paying that debt off, if you will, you know, there's-
0: And the was a slave, right.
2: So when Paul says that, he owes you anything, it's not just whatever he stole, but it's all that other debt too. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting to me too here is, I had not really seen from this perspective of the the debt and how to manage that and, and so on. Paul is saying, as you see here, um, you know you can kind of pay back, finally, your debt to me by sending by, by forgiving the debt that Mismas owes and sending him back to right. me, right? But then throughout this whole thing, at the beginning, at the end, and everywhere in between, like verse six, for the sake of Christ, right? And and in verse twenty, refresh my heart in Christ. And then the spirit, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, all of it. The overarchingness, or maybe the foundation of all of this is that debt that we all owe to Jesus yeah. for. for We'll never pay that up. What do you say? That's right. That's, good. That's good. right.
0: I'll close this in
2: prayer.
0: Father, oh, thank you again for that love. And I love that uh, open song that we had. Grace, you giving us that grace. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for the debt as we've been talking about. We talked about it this morning and we're talking about it here this evening. Thank you for that debt that has been paid off by our Savior on our behalf. We thank you for that. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your patience with each one of us. Help us, Lord, to extend that patience to others. Thank you again for this time that we can look in your word and we can study your word. And thank you for the Holy Spirit, which speaks speaks to us in all different ways, areas that, that he spoke spoke to me. He's speaking to other people in different areas. That's what makes the the Bible so different because it's able to speak to us at all different levels in different ways. Thank you so much for that. Just pray these things in Jesus'
1: name.